Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah 37. Isaiah, the 37th chapter. I want to give you a little introduction of what we're reading here. I want to share a message with you today. I spoke about this a moment ago. and My message is entitled, The Cause and Effect of Revival. The Cause and Effect of Revival. I am convinced that God has given this church an assignment this year. We've been given an opportunity. We've been given a privilege. And that's to be part of this building, rising tide of God's desire to send awakening in this nation. And I believe that we, I'm going to give you, how many believe God wants to send awakening in America? We, we might could say revival, that term probably is, is used for the church. Uh, what does it mean to revive? Well, well, you know, someone, uh, was alive and something happened and, and, and they are not breathing well and they are at, at, or they're dying, but someone revives them. And they come back to life. And revival over the years, as we see in Scripture, as we looked in history, revival is when God comes in the life of a Christian and restores and renews and brings that first love back and brings that passion back. How many believe that needs to happen inside every one of us? Amen. In our church. Not just somebody else in me. I want it in me. Anybody want it in their life? Lord, bring a fresh revival in my heart. And then awakening. We use that term. Um, his, uh, church historians tell us that they believe there really only been two, think of this, in the history of our nation, two great awakenings in the history of America. Some say four, but really two are universally agreed upon. An awakening would be something that is greater than what's happening in church buildings. It means that the Holy Spirit has spilled out into communities. Do you know in the last great awakening, uh, many of the businesses in downtown New York City would close at noon. And all of the churches and cathedrals in downtown New York City were packed every day at noon for the hundreds and the thousands that would come to pray. It's amazing that happened. Joe Oden shared some of these things with us last week. So when we talk about awakening in this nation, it's no small term. It's no little uh, cute add-on. It is something that is so powerful and needed. Is it needed? Does America need an awakening today? Yes, we do. But it is so powerful, so sovereign, so unique that it's extremely rare. But I want to say again, I believe that God is beginning to do something around this nation. And there's a grassroots movement in churches and Christians and individuals and homes. And God is putting something together. I want to say to us, I believe we're part of that. We're sure not the beginning and the end of it, but we're going to be a part of it. We are now. And God is building something. So I I want to help us understand uh, how this starts in our individual lives. I want to be very vulnerable to you. In the last couple of weeks, uh, as as I have sensed God uh, very clearly speaking to me as your pastor to give us direction, that, that we do have an opportunity and an assignment. To be a part of something that's greater than any of us. That has impact that will go far beyond this church. And so because of that, here's my vulnerability in this thing. Uh, God has uh, spoken to me to, uh, how would I say it, add to my prayer life. No, I pray every day. But I'm praying more than I used to pray. I've expanded my prayer life. I've shifted some things. You know what I'm doing? I'm making room for awakening and revival. 
I'm saying to God, God, if this is what you want to do, I want to be a part of it. God, if this is what you want our church to be, then we want to be a part of this, God. And so I'm praying, God, uh, whatever you want to do, I'm yours. I've prayed, I, I think you'll, you'll be okay with this. I've said, whatever you want to do with Calvary, we're yours. Whatever you want to do with this building and property, it's yours, God. Whatever you want to do with us, it's all yours, God. We're here. And so uh, that's how I'm praying. And I want to encourage you as these next couple of weeks uh, that God would use me to impact you in that same way. To begin to think about your prayer life. To begin to think about not religious activity, but heartfelt surrender to God. Not, not what I get out of it, but what, what is God doing in my life? God, can you, can you do something in me that needs to be done? And so that's, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm coming from today. Now we're going to go here in Isaiah 37. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, so keep things open and ready. Uh, the cause and effect of revival. Here's the setting, and let me get right to this. Uh, Hezekiah, at this point we're reading here, was the king of Judah. Oh, he, he, the, the kingdom was there basically around the Jerusalem, the capital. And Hezekiah is the king. Sennacherib was the king of Assyria. And he was invading God's land. And he was intimidating the people of God. His army had reached Jerusalem. They had defeated the ten northern kingdoms. He had defeated the known world in that region. And Sennacherib was very cocky. He was full of himself. He was confident that no one could stop him. He even insulted God. He said, none of the gods of the other nations could stop me. What makes you think your God's going to stop me? He threw the gauntlet down in the face of the people of God. I want to say to you, and I want you to listen to me, and don't just cherry pick what I'm going to say today, but I believe, let's, let's take personalities out of this. How many heard that last statement I said? Let's take personalities and politics out of this. And let's see what may be going on. I believe the culture, I believe the antichrist spirit that is the undercurrent of what we're seeing on top is throwing the gauntlet down in the face of the church right now. I believe it's right in our face. And so I believe there's some similarities here. And so as as this heathen, idol-worshiping, demon, blaspheming group has confronted the people of God, Taunting them, this is where we pick this up. So let's look at verse, begin verses 5 and 6 in chapter 37. Chapter 37, verse 5 and 6. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, so they had heard the taunts and the blaspheming of, of Sennacherib's army and his commander. And so they bring this to the man of God. Here, let, can I, I, I want to help you. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about this next week. But for today, this is a little prelude. It may be, I want you to hear me. I want you to get discouraged or, or sidetracked. It may be in America that before there is awakening, <laughs> that, that uh, things might get rough. Before people are willing to listen to God. Are you with me? Now, I don't like that. I don't like rough and bad and, 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 and what's going on. But sometimes the devil has to run his stuff out before people are willing to listen to God again. And so, so but what happens when things get bad enough, uh, now, watch this, instead of the church appealing to the government, 
Now the government's appealing to the church. You see the difference in that? So when, 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 you know, the taunt has come, when the fear is real enough, when people are sick and tired of what the enemy's doing, now they go find a man of God. So when King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, see, you see that? It wasn't Isaiah hoping, trying to get an audience with the king. It wasn't somebody, you know, calling their congressman and somebody speaking to their buddy and somebody slipping a bribe. Is anybody listening to me right now? It wasn't the church trying to get the king. The king said, we better go get the man of God. All right. So when when King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, tell your master this. See, and this is why. The only reason they need to come to us is if we can say the next thing. Are you with me, church? This is why we need to understand the cause and effect of revival and the impact of prayer. Not just praying for me, praying for you. Because awakening means it's too big a move of God for it just to happen with the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. Are you with me? There are going to be some people where you work. There are going to be some people in your family. Are are you with me? If awakening really happens, that you're going to be the woman of God. You're going to be the man of God. You're going to be the person that has to give an answer. Okay, I'm trying not to, I'm just trying to set this. Okay, so so we will not be those they come to unless the church, and that's all of us, can say what he says next. So they come. And he says, I've got a message for your master. What was his message? Look at, are you with me still in verse 5? This is what the Lord says. We've heard enough of what everybody else has to say. If they're going to listen, if there's going to be an audience, if the church is going to have the impact. And, and the reason this is so pressing upon me is that when the opportunity comes, it's too late to go get prayed up and somehow find God and get back there. We better be ready for the moment. All right, so so we better be able to say, this is what the Lord said. This is what God said. He said, Pastor, I don't know if he's spoken to me. Can you read? Can you read? I haven't had an angel. Oh, you don't need an angel. You got a Bible. What do you mean as the Lord spoken? If you can read, you can say, thus saith the word of God. If you're not sure, shut your mouth and say what God said. We've got enough prophylying going on in this nation right now and in the church. I had enough of it. We need somebody that can give me a word from the Lord. And if God's not speaking, the church needs to be quiet. <laughs> but if there is something to say, I can, there's a lot right here. Okay. So don't, what am I going to say? You got a whole lot to say right here. All right. I'm trying to move along. Everybody's still with me here. I'm laying some foundation. So this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you've heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Do you remember when, when uh, Saul was breathing out threatenings in the book of Acts and throwing Christians in jail and arresting them and, and, and resting babies out of the arms of their mother and he's on the road to Damascus to, to go into a whole new region and, and capture more believers. Well, along the way, Jesus meets him. He falls off his beast. He's, he's stricken blind. He's laying in the road. And, and, and what does Jesus say? He did not say, why are you persecuting my boys? He said, why are you persecuting me? 
See, we have to understand this. This is what God said. See, it's easy for us. We keep missing this right now. I really sense it. We keep taking things like it's about you. It's about me. It's a not, it's not about me. It's not about you and I. It's not who hurt my feelings. It's not about what I didn't like. Can anybody hear me today? It's not about those things. This is about God. This is about God. You know, you, you shouldn't be surprised if the devil doesn't like you. You should be surprised if he does like you. You shouldn't be surprised if the devil's people give you some trouble. You should be worried if they don't. Okay. So this is what the Lord says. They're blaspheming me. Let's drop down and go to verse 14. So what does he do? Hezekiah received the letters from the messengers and he read them. Then what did he do? Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. He said, God, this is what they said. This is what they said, God. Verse 20. I'm just giving you the Reader's Digest. Now, what does he do? He prays. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. See, he said, it's not about me and my convenience, God. This is about you and your reputation. God, I'm asking, I'm praying. But now, I've said all this to lead you to this next verse. So look at verse 21. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. Watch this. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I want you to get this next sentence. In fact, I want you to read it out loud. Let me make sure this one says it. Okay, ready? We're right here. What did God say? Read it with me. Because you have prayed. Stop. Read it again. Because you have prayed. I'm talking about cause and effect. Isn't it interesting? Cause is in the word because. Say it with me again. Because you have prayed to me. This is what I'm going to do. God literally said, because you pray, I'm going to act. Do you understand what the reverse of that is? If you had not prayed, I would not have acted. Because you pray. I want us to begin to get our faith and our heart around that statement. Because you pray. I want you to begin to understand the cause and effect of revival. For us to begin to understand what God would do. Because you pray. Because you pray. It's as if heaven was ready and it was. And God had an answer and he did. And God was able and he is. And yet we have to understand. God said, I'm about to do something because you pray. The condition of our nation needing an awakening. And I want you to get this. And until we get here, I'm not sure we're really going to pray correctly. I want to say something that we may not like to hear, but we need to. The condition of America today. The things that appall us, that shock us, that we look at and hear and see and wonder how in the world. Church, listen to what I'm going to say. The condition of America today is our condition. We're the church. And it's easy to say, how did they do this? And why is it this way? And and never understand, what's my role in this? And so what I want to say to us today, when we look at the condition of this nation, is that instead of being mad and angry and pointing fingers and, and we keep playing on our lowest level and reacting humanly and naturally and carnally, we're going to have to get to the place because we pray that we begin to see things as God sees them. And so what I want to say to us today, the madness 
in our culture that we live in the midst of, instead of hating and and dividing and pointing fingers and blaming and being victims and all this, we need to be weeping with broken hearts about the condition of this nation. And until that happens to us, I'm not sure that we're going to see anything change. See, the real issue with abortion is not a law. It's a child whose life was taken. It's a mother who made a mistake under pressure, made a decision that she'll have to live with for the rest of her life. But we want to make it politics and laws. And it's always about people that Jesus loves. And if we're angry and yelling and signing things and we've never wept over a baby whose life was gone, then you're wrong. And if we're angry and yelling and pointing fingers at people, we haven't wept over the women who are living with the consequence of that choice, then we're wrong in the church. We, we have allowed politics, human intrigue, and the works of man to infiltrate itself inside the church. And we're operating at a level that's less than what we could be. I'm not saying we're not involved in government. We should vote. We should be informed. But when you look in scripture, we read, uh, you know, these kind of things. Are we to govern? We are to govern. We're to govern as we get on our knees before Almighty God and cast down the stronghold. Are we in charge? You better believe we're supposed to be in charge. Do we have authority? We have ultimate authority. We can do what Hezekiah did. We can lay it out before God and say, oh God, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? Because it's an assault against God. It is an assault against the babies in their mother's womb. It's an assault against the women making those choices. It's an assault against the church. Against our nation. Of course we govern. Of course we have authority. We need men and women of God who are walking with the Lord. And have a holy righteous anger against Satan and sin and pain. That will cause us to pray until. We're not passive. We're not hiding. Don't you misread me. I'm not saying that we're not involved in culture. We're the light in the dark places. We are the influencers. We're the ones that cause the effect. But it happens because we first prayed. And those, these are the things we need to see. Let me go on because somebody's got to say it. I'm going to say it. See, we, we've allowed racism to get in between us in the church today. Racism being fanned on every side. It, 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 it penetrates. Listen to me. Let me make a couple of statements. If you won't vote for a black man because he's black, you're wrong. If you won't vote for a white man because he's white, you're wrong. If the only reason you voted for a black man is because he was black, you're wrong. If the only reason you voted for a white man is because he was white, you're wrong. And whatever is influencing you to be angry or be bitter or to judge or not forgive or look at people you used to worship with with a side eye, that's not from God. We must come to a place where we understand that the problem is not going to be solved with human mechanisms and laws and the things that we can create. And we must get back to the place where we say, Oh God, this is you, they're blaspheming. And we have to come to the place where we understand that God will look at us and say, Because you pray. We we will do everything but pray. We will fuss and cuss and... And throw shoes at the television set and talk to our neighbors and, and, and whine and complain. But we won't pray. Okay. Let's go to James 4, verse 1 and 2. Hang in there with me. You know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm giving us some good medicine for greater things God's going to do. 
How many want an awakening? <laughs> How many want to do what you need to do to get there? <laughs> okay. All right. Stay with me. I'm not mad at anybody but the devil today. <laughs> but I hate him. And I love this church. And I love you. And I love your families. And I love North Alabama. And I love America. And I believe God's not through with us yet. And, and I'm willing to, to be a voice to, to see God do this thing. James 4 verse 1 and 2. What are we talking about? Cause and effect. Cause and effect of revival. <clears throat> James 4. Watch this closely. Verse 1. Now watch this. See, see what happens when we don't pray. And understand what happens when we do. Look at this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? This wasn't written to the Republican Democrat Party. This was written to the church. Okay. To the church. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do Christians ever fight and quarrel? Well, I need an organ right now. Somebody play on that thing. What causes it? See, we need, what's, what's the word? Cause. Cause and effect. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Can I be honest? It's not because you're right and they're wrong. I'm going to say that again. It's not because you're right and they're wrong. So let's read it. Don't they come from your own desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. So what do you do? You don't pray. You kill and covet. And what happens? Cannot have what you want. Didn't work. When are we going to realize that didn't work? Everybody still with me here? Okay. You quarrel and fight. And then here's the answer. You do not have because you do not ask. Fighting, fussing, cussing, feuding, Hatfields and McCoys, judgment, criticism, church divided, losing the anointing, missing a moment, reshuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic while it's going down. And all you got to do is pray. <laughs> all you have to do is pray. Begin to seek the face of God. God, this is what we need. God, what do you want to do with our church? God, I don't care if somebody parked in my parking place. I don't care if somebody sat on my chair. I don't care if I didn't get to sing the solo. I, didn't, I don't care if pastor didn't ask me to pray. I don't care if I didn't get this done. I don't care, but I just want you to do something in my life, God. I'm just praying, God. I want this junk that makes me fight and fuss. Get out of my life, God. I just want to see you move. I, do, 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 we, do we want our family saved enough? We'll pray about it. Do we want a revival enough? We'll begin to pray about it. God, just, just be, God, make something happen. Make something happen. Go to Exodus chapter 3. I'm just showing you these patterns because God is setting us up. Come on, somebody, did you hear what I said? God is setting us up. God God wants to use us. How many want to be used? You'll say amen. I, I'm thankful. Listen, guys, sometimes, um, you know, what did Jesus do? What did he do? I'm, I'm just trying to let the Lord use me. Exodus 3. What did Jesus do when he finally got to Jerusalem in the week before the crucifixion and, and he went into the temple? What's the first thing he did? He didn't call a prayer meeting, kicked over the tables, <laughs> ran out the money changer said, I want to do something, but I can't do it in the middle of this junk. What, and this is why. What did he say? You've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. Do you know where all the tables and money changers were set up? On the only place they would allow them in in the temple courts, the court of the Gentiles. It was the only place on the face of the earth where a non-Jew could come and be close to the Holy of Holies. And they had turned it into a mockery. And Jesus said, 
I'm going to throw the tables out. I'm going to run the money changers out. I'm going to get a whip out because my father's house. That's where he said, what did he say? My father's house should be a house of prayer. So what God is doing, I believe, is encouraging his church that if we understand the cause and effect, if we grasp what he wants to do and we'll begin to pray the way he wants us to pray, that we're going to see some things happen. The presence of God restored in the temple. Exodus 3, 1. Now, at this point, Moses had been in the wilderness 40 years, okay, running. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mount of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see uh, this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. There was a, that was an appointment. It was intentional. This was just for this encounter with God and Moses. Moses said, here I am. <clears throat> Did not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now watch this. What created this encounter? What precipitated? What caused the deliverance of that nation? The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And what did he say? I have what? I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So he heard them. There's the cause. What's the effect? So I have come down. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Sound like some of your in-laws, right? Just kidding. Verse 9. And now, and now, cause and effect. Watch this. And now, the cry of the Israelites has reached me. See the prayer? He said, I've heard it. It's reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are opposing them. So now go. What was God's answer to their prayers? He said, what did he say? I am sending you. You're the answer to their prayer. You're, the, you're what I'm doing. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, Israelites, out of Egypt. So, church, we have to be honest with you. Sometimes there's a delay between the cause and the effect. Are you with me? <laughs> There's a delay. Anybody ever still or still praying some prayers? Haven't got an answer yet. I have some. I have some prayers that I have prayed for 40 years. I think I have faith. I think I have faith. I think I have the word on it. And I've prayed it for 40 years. I have some prayers. I don't have many that old. I have a couple of prayers I've prayed for 40 years. I have to be honest with you. So he said, Pastor, what are you going to do? Well, I've, I've prayed way too long to quit praying now. <laughs> I've plowed too many fields to throw that one away. I, I, I've been at it too long. Prayed too much. Invested too much. 
You think I'm going to walk off from that prayer after 40 years? Think I'm going to throw a pity party and get mad at God and sit down like old chief sitting bull, huff and puff and get mad at God and say, you don't love me, you don't hear me? No, no. In fact, I got, here's the test of your faith. What does it take to get you to stop praying? <laughs> That's how big your faith is. What does it take to stop you from praying? Somebody hurt your feelings? Somebody get mad at you? Got to wait a little while? Well, I'm not going to pray anymore. I'll tell you one thing. Well, I hope you like what you got because that's what you're going to get. See, so sometimes there's a delay. Do you know what? What's the delay? Well, God heard their prayer, but why did it happen then? Because God was preparing a Moses to be the answer to the prayer. And so he had to have Moses in place. And this in place. And that Pharaoh in place. And this moment in place. And Aaron to be ready. And I can tell you right now that God is hearing every prayer you pray. And God is working right now to bring an answer to that prayer. And those prodigal sons and daughters you don't think are paying any attention. God's raising up a man or a woman of God right around where they're living. You think they think they can run from you and God's chuckling in heaven. Because he's got a Holy Ghost, Jesus loving, following, on fire believer that's about to get a new job and work right beside them they're going to move in next door to them they got away from you because you were telling them about Jesus and they moved to another state and God's about to move a disciple of Jesus and rent the apartment right next door to them he's moving this thing around they took a new job so they wouldn't have to talk to you and God's going to give them a boss that loves Jesus more than you do they're going to get right in that place sometimes there's a delay because I can't see what he's doing but I'm going to hang in there because I know that there is a cause and an effect and if I will pray if I will push if I will do the thing that causes God to say because you prayed because you prayed because you prayed I want to hear because you prayed I don't want to hear because you stopped because you quit because you gave up because you walked off I want to stand before God when I hear and see and believe and he said because Calvary prayed because Calvary prayed I sent an awakening in North Alabama because Calvary prayed because you prayed there's a process I, I've, I've got to hurry let me I'm going to thank God for next Sunday hallelujah I got you know so, so look at this let, let me read this go here this will be my last uh, passage for today Exodus 17 verse 8 just turn over a few pages Exodus 17 and verse 8 I want you to see something what are we learning the cause and effect of revival what happens here that creates this over here how does God work with us what does my interaction have to do it, listen to me there are too many watered down theologians in the church that will tell you that whatever happens just happened. That you have very little relevance in it. They hide it under the theological term called the sovereignty of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God. But, but, but this is what biblical predestination means. Are you listening to me? This is biblical predestination. God has an intent for my life. But I have a choice if I step into that intent for my life. Does God have a preordained plan for you? Yes, he does. But you have to come to a place in your life and it begins accepting Jesus where you step in to the plan that God has for your life. Because on the other hand, the devil has a plan for your life. And where I spend my eternity and where you spend your eternity is not because God chose or didn't choose you. Listen to me. His word says 
I would have all men saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. If somebody goes to hell, they chose it. If somebody goes to heaven, they chose it. And if somebody is rescued out of hell, somebody can stand before God and they will hear him say, because you prayed, I moved in that situation. So we're cause and effect. Here we are. Exodus, and this is my last passage for today. Exodus 17 and verse 8. You're familiar with this. Israel has been, has been delivered and rescued from Egyptian bondage. They are on their way to the promised land. Early on, the first encounter, the first people to attack them. Watch this. Verse 8. The Amalekites came out and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said, watch the strategy. Said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Watch. As long as Moses held up his hands, representing prayer, because you prayed, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever the church got tired of praying and lowered the prayer level, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites, your enemies, the people that attack you, the work of the enemy. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Now, here's what you have to see. The backstory. Amalek, the head of the Amalekites, was the grandson of Esau. You remember Jacob and Esau were brothers. And Esau sold his birthright to Isaac for a meal. What does Esau represent? Esau are those who will trade off the destiny and the purpose and the plan of God for their life because they can't get over the immediate. Remember what I talked about choices. And because Esau chose to sell his future for a momentary pleasure. Come on, anybody listening to me right now? I'm, I've been really blunt today, but I'm going to get blunter right now. I don't know who she is. You listen to me right now. She's not that good. She's just not that good. Those few minutes, throw away the rest of your life, throw away the respect of your family, the love of your wife, the honor of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to be crude today. I'm trying to tell you that Esau, the founder of the Amalekites, 
who attack the people of God. Esau are those who throw away their future for the moment and then become bitter and resent those who have a future. So see, here's Israel heading to their promised land. And who attacks them? The Amalekites, the grandchildren, generational bitterness had invaded that family. Generational victimization had entered that family. And they saw someone moving. Come on, I'm helping you now. I'm real close to your house right now. They saw someone moving to their promise, to their inheritance, to where they wanted to go. And because they had sold theirs, they don't want you to have yours. And because this culture has thrown away sanity, because this culture has thrown away any sense of morals and decency, they want to attack you and your children and our grandchildren because we have a future because we have a God that says I have plans for you I have plans to give you hope I have plans to give you a future I have plans to give you some good things and the people that threw it away listen and the devil is the grandfather of the current Amalekites because he worshipped in the presence of almighty God and he saw the glory and he brought the worship and yet he said I am willing to take a chance and risk the glory of heaven and beholding the face of God because I want that throne and Jesus said I saw him fall from heaven like lightning falls down there was a battle but it didn't last very long come on somebody the devil might have thought he had some stuff but Jesus said like lightning like lightning like lightning that devil thought he had it and so now he sees your future he sees your children he sees your children's children and he resents the inheritance that almighty God has placed on us and he wants to come take it away but because we raised our hands up because we said I'm not going to quit because we may have gotten tired because it didn't happen overnight because it wasn't easy I may have to sit down I may not be able to stand up I might have prayed 40 years but somebody come help me pray and I'm going to help you pray and you're going to help me pray and we're going to raise our hands up over North Alabama and the day's going to come when the Amalekites don't exist on this place anymore because the enemies that you see today God has the power that you will never ever have to look at those enemies again because we prayed let's stand together I want you to stand with me because we prayed because we prayed because we prayed church So much more I want to share with you. I just will pick it up next week right there. That's enough for today. Because we pray. Because we pray. I want to encourage you right now. You may be here and you're saying, Pastor, you know, I listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know, I am a man. So I know a little more more about men than I know about women. Most of you, if you'll be honest, (laughs) you guys think you know a lot about women. You don't know a lot about. I was going to write a book about everything I know about women, but I, all the pages were blank, so I thought it wouldn't, probably wouldn't sell much. But I know this about men. Listen to me, men. I don't know what happened where the devil said to men, men don't pray. Men don't pray. If you can talk, you can pray. If you can think, you can pray. If you breathe, you can pray. I don't care if you know King James. 
I don't care how much scripture you quote. I, I hope you can, but you can pray right where you are. Listen to me. I, I, this isn't a slight. It's an encouragement. I'm trying to help you, all right? You can talk about Auburn until the cows come home. Listen to me, guys. Listen. You dudes know every player's name. You know his number. You know where he played high school ball. You know, was he a three-star, four-star, five-star? You know who the coach is. You know who his wife is. You know where he came from. You know where to get a ticket. You know where you sit in. Okay, you Alabama. Don't you pack on me, Alabama. You Alabama, same way. You can talk Alabama till the cows go home and come back three times. Listen to me. Why can you do that? Because you've invested yourself in it. Because you listen to sports radio, you read the papers, you're on the own, you, you know, you read the blogs, you're on the, 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 the platforms. Why? How? Why? Listen, there's nothing wrong with being a sports fan. I'm using an example. I like sports. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl tonight. And I can't stand either one of those two teams. I don't like either one of them. I hope it's a tie. I'm a bad loser. I'm just going to tell you that. If you ever learn how to lose, you'll be a loser. I don't, I've never learned how to lose. I like to win. I may lose sometime, but I didn't learn how. I'm learning how to win every day. Okay? Especially when I pray. I'm not going to lose when I pray. Me and the devil may fight 40 years, but one day he's going to cry. I'm going to say, I'm tired of that boy. I'm tired of that boy. I'm going to move on down the road where people quit praying. I'm, 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 I don't like to lose. I'm not going to lose the family members I'm praying for. No way. So how do you know that much about a sports team? Because you've read, because you've listened, because you've watched. You know how you pray? Because you've read. Because you've listened. Because you've watched. And then you just start walking it out, wherever you are. Quit trying to pray an hour a day. I'd like you to pray five minutes a day. You pray five minutes a day, you can pray ten minutes a day. Pray ten minutes a day, you can pray thirty minutes a day. Because you prayed. Because you prayed. God's calling us to do something in our prayer life. Can you hear it? Not me. Can you hear him? We're on a journey. I'm excited about the journey. And it's a little stronger medicine because God's got a little bigger plan. You know what he's saying? I'm going to trust you with more. I want him to trust us. He's going to trust you with more. What if everybody you're praying for God say tonight? You ready to disciple them? You ready to love them? Ready for them to move in your house? Because they got kicked out of where they were? Well. Come on. Can he trust us with an awakening? Can he trust us? Is this where we're headed? That's what he's saying. I want to find out. You want to find out? I want to find out. It's pretty scary. I'm laying the heavy stuff on us today. How many are just willing to say, yeah, I'd like to find out? Anybody with me? I'm willing to find out. I'm willing to find out. Here's what I've learned serving the Lord. He's always asking me to do more than I'm capable. And I've learned to just trust Him. Would you do that? You say, well, I can't do it. He didn't ask you if you could do it. He asked, would you let Him do it? It's how you learn. It's how your faith grows. He's always stretching me. Every time I think I'm there, He says, come on, George. <laughs> I thought I was praying. Then He told me, you we got to work on that, son. I said, yes, sir. Because I want to look at God and I want to hear him say, 
because you prayed. Because you prayed. I don't want any regrets. Don't want any regrets. If he's doing something with Calvary, I don't want him to have to skip over us. Go find somebody else. Because we would pray. Are you with me? It's a holy challenge. It's exciting. I'm so thankful for it. So I want to pray. We're going to baptize some folks in a minute. I'll let you go if you need to go. But I'd love you to celebrate uh, what water baptism means. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to pray. Water baptism is simply this. This is not going to save anyone. Do you understand that? People aren't about to get saved. Water baptism is a public testimony that I have given my life to Christ. Everybody get that? Water doesn't wash sin away. The blood of Jesus washes sin away. Okay? So people are going to come here. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to go under the water. That is a picture. This is a testimony. They're saying, my old life is dead. Ah, I'm so glad my old life is dead. I'm so glad you don't know the old George Sawyer. You wouldn't let me be your pastor. You wouldn't. But God saved me. And he buried that old guy. How many are thankful? (laughs) It's under the blood. Come on, it's under the blood. My Lord, don't ever dig me up. It'll stink. You know, don't let Lazarus out of the tomb. It stinketh. If you let me out of the tomb, it stinketh. But thank God. So we go under the water. Then we come up. What is that? New life. New life. New life. Oh, it's a celebration. New life. So today, before we do that, before I shift, I want to want your heads bowed. I want you to pray with me. Online and in this room, there's some people God's dealing with. And it's such a glorious gift to you. Your heart's pounding. You're, you're, you're aware, man, I, I'm not where I need to be with God. Listen, that's not guilt and shame. It's a gift. The Holy Spirit is drawing you to God. What a gift. You weren't even aware of it at times. And now you're, it's the biggest thing on your mind right now. I need to come to Jesus. What a gift. And so I want to pray for you right now, right where you are. And, and I'll give you an opportunity as, you know, when we baptize for you to come pray with some of our pastors. But right now, right where you stand, I want you to be just honest and say, Pastor, I, man, the Holy Spirit's touched my heart today. And I, I don't want to be an observer. I, I want to go in this thing. I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. I want to see your blessing my family, my children, my children's children. I'm a single adult. I don't want to take another step. I don't want to get married and try to figure life out on my own. I want to come to Jesus today, right where you are. If that's where you are and you want to come to him or come back to him, I'm not, at this moment, I like, I like, I want to give you a chance to come forward. Right now, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Can I look around? He said, it's me. I'll raise my hand. Pray for me today. Thank you. Who else today? Thank you. Who else? You said, that's me. Thank you. Who else today? He said, Pastor, it's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's pray with our friends that raise their hand. Father, right now, you said if we would believe in our heart, and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That we would be saved. Jesus, we believe you're God's son. Jesus, we believe you died on the cross in our place. Jesus, we believe you heard our prayer right now. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Come live inside us. Break the power of the devil. Set us free. Heal where we're broken. Set us free from where we're bound. Today, we confess. Come on, if you're, say this out loud. Come on, church, say it with me to help them. Repeat after me. Today I confess. You are my Savior. 
and you are my Lord. I give you my life from this day forward. I belong to you. I live by your strength. In Jesus' name, thank you for saving me, forgiving me, healing me, and living in me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for that today. Wow. Okay, let's look at this for a moment. Church family, how many of you would seriously, come on, I I don't want you to just do a churchy thing. You say, Pastor, I believe God's speaking to me today too about my prayer life. I believe that God's speaking to me. And Pastor, I want you to pray for me that during this week as we get ready for next Sunday, that that I'm going to hear the Lord, that I'm going to step in this next exciting season of my life and just be surrendered to Him. How many of you would say that? You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to surrender. I want to be there. Come on, let's leave those hands up. Let's pray. Father, you see our hands. You see our hearts. God, we're excited. We're a little scared, but we're really excited about the next step in this journey. What you're doing, how you're going to work in us, how you're going to use us, God. We just want you to be faithful, that we want to be faithful and safe. And hear you say to us, because you prayed. Because you prayed. Because you prayed. Lord, we can only surrender. You're our strength. You're our hope. You're our grace. It's not who we are. It's who you are in us. But we surrender today. Use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.